This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who donated $1 a month through Craft Sanity's Patreon page. Learn more at craftsanity.com. I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. Hello, and welcome to episode 147 of the podcast. On this episode, I'm going to take you behind the scenes for a little visit over to Dinderbeck, which is a Grand Rapids community print shop. This is a place that I last touched base with the gentlemen who run this. Oh, it's been over a few years now. At the time, it was an artist collective. And they were all kind of under the Dinderbeck umbrella. They were doing a variety of things, not just printmaking. The goal, even at that point, was really to get this to be a community resource, a place where people could come in and do letterpress printing, printmaking, and just really kind of explore these art forms that they haven't before or continue with their artwork after earning a college degree. So I'm pleased to let you know that Dinderbeck has come a long way in recent years. And even though they are now shrunk down to three members, the co-owners, which are uh, Anthony Mead, Kyle Isbell, and Stephen Rainey. Stephen and I have done some collaboration in the past. And I realized that over the summer, they kind of quietly opened their print shop to the public. And so I wanted to go check that out and kind of bring you folks along the gentlemen are going to kind of give you kind of a behind-the-scenes look at what it takes to have an idea, you then get a space and get equipment, and then eventually open your doors to the public. It's not an easy thing, and it took this group years to make this happen. I would love to see this thing really take off. With public support, that can happen. So what I can do to help with that is just to spread the word. So grab a project and settle in for a fun conversation with Anthony, Kyle, and Steven. Let's get to it. If you want to start kind of at the beginning, like how did this thing get started? When the whole Dinderbeck concept was dreamt up. Fun. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, 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 yeah. I'll do you it. Start, uh, okay, so some, Anthony's going to start out here, and um, then you can kick it to Kyle when we, you do. We started off in the basement of this building. 323 Straight Street. 323 Straight Street. Here in Grand Rapids. In Grand Rapids, Michigan. Four nine five zero four. That's all the fan mail money yes. that you want to oh, this yeah. address. We have open studios three nights a week. Um, <laughs> we start commercial. <laughs> Smart man. We uh, we started here four years ago. We were still in college. Were you guys all going to the same school? Mm-hmm. We were all going to Kendall, all Kendall. College of Art and okay. Design. We just needed a space that we could work out of. We were all individual artists, so we knew that our time at uh, academy is coming to an end and that we wanted space so we all got the space together and then we realized that we were only using about half of it um and we really wanted to engage with the community there was talk even back then about how printmaking is this communal atmosphere and the shop environment and everything we were hoping that maybe one day if we pooled our resources together that we'd be able to get a press and we all be able to share it and there was talk at that time even in the beginning of having the community print shop um, but since we didn't have any equipment then, and we were only using half the space, we said, well, what can we do to engage with the community? Well, we can start using the amount of space that we don't have any purpose for um, as a gallery 
for emerging artists like ourselves. So we did Sunday Soup at the DAC when the DAC was the thing. We got enough money from that, and we got $210, I believe. Um, wow, $210. Yeah, which is uh, huge was for us at the yeah. time. For yeah. monster. And so what did you do with that money? We bought drywall and paint. And we drywalled part of our studio and painted it. And then we scrounged a little bit of money that we had to buy some track lights. And we had our first show. And we continued having shows for the next two years through the move up here. And that's when Dinderbeck, the name, the place, became established. Because we were sitting around and we're like, well, we're going to be a gallery. What are we going to call ourselves? And... We were tossing around all these ideas, this, that, and the other thing, and whatever. And finally, we decided on Dinderbeck. Dinderbeck was a made-up word that came through the, essentially the entire idea of creation, that you can create anything you want, you can assign a name to it, and then it becomes a thing, mm-hmm. right? So you can just, as a person, you can just make something appear out of thin air, which is something that we're familiar with as artists. So, so what year was that, the Dinderbeck? Uh, that was started? 2010. Then we did that for a year. We had our final show in the basement, and we moved upstairs in the building. More yeah. space. We added more members. This is when we talked the first time. Okay, so it was 2010. So we from and five and to eight, eight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. including Stephen, mm-hmm. a couple of other people. And this is where our ideas started to evolve of trying to find more people interested in working collaboratively, uh, cross-medium ideas were sort of coming along. And we started at that time not only having shows here, but trying to work with different avenues, like Avenue for the Arts, uh, mm-hmm. Site Lab, any of those sort of events. Just were kind of trying to collaborate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah we were outreach into the community more. And at that time, we were just juggling with, you know, at one point we had eight members, then it jumped to... What twelve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when I, I think was here, it sat time, here at like fourteen or more. It I think that was at probably the height of it. No, no. because past no. that even we we, we, we doubled. Had, oh, after yeah. that, oh, we yeah. had almost sixteen people. Because when you were here, it was just eight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then mm-hmm. more people came. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then we were like, well, I mean, eight minds are great. We seem to get along, and you know, at this time. Kind of during that, there's a brief moment where we were still occupying the basement Mm -hmm. because there was a transition period where we still had some presses and heavy equipment down there that we just could not move. So we had the basement space and we were renting up here and we were doing some stuff for the landlord and we were on good terms with him. So he let us like kind of have a little transition period where we didn't have to pay rent, but then we started having to pay rent on both of the spaces. So at that point we were like, well, you know, eight people's not too bad. Let's get a couple more people. And then, so it started like a wildfire. Snowball. And yeah. Uh, Printmakers uh, print coming from, or was it? No. Oh, yeah, at that point we were doing, yeah. I there mean, was a sculptor, I think in the group. There was a sculptor. There was somebody who was working mostly in paintings. At one point down in the basement, there was a photo dark room with two individuals in it. There was a wood shop by the end of our bit that was finally starting to kick up. There were a lot yeah, of different at, ideas. At the, at the peak amount of what, you could, you could consider now to be the Dinderbeck Collective because that's what we started to call ourselves was a collective of artists. 
we had two heavy woodworkers, full wood shop, some metal shop. We had ceramics. two ceramicists in an in-progress ceramic studio. We had a full black and white dark room with two wow. full-time photographers. Other artists who like did cross-media, a lot of painting, drawing, printmaking. I don't even know how many printmakers. Probably like seven. Yeah, yeah it was always a good half. Yeah, roughly um, printmakers. So a lot of cross media. We were very interested in the interdisciplinary arts. We still are mm-hmm. interested in the interdisciplinary arts, and we had kind of gotten away from the idea of the community print shop. While that was always talked about and always in the back of the back of conversation, we were evolving. In a lot of different, yeah, in right. like well, sixteen minds, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you probably didn't have space for like the general public if you have all the stuff going on. Uh, no, well, and a lot well, of it we was just... we couldn't present it to the general public with like the chaos and everything else that was there because you put sixteen people in a room that are all creative and want their you own know their spin. own, right. yeah, mm-hmm. and then it just becomes it just becomes like. A lot of different ideas. <laughs> you know, everybody's. Thank yeah. you for keeping yeah. me from cursing. Yeah, sorry. Curse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but seriously. So, you know, be free, man. Um. But this was this was sort of the that was sort of a pinnacle moment when we were up to sixteen because we were spending so much time arguing and trying to decide what we like really wanted to do. To there were people that were interested in showing outside of the space as groups. There were people that were like us who were interested in more bringing the public here. There were people that were interested in staying underground as far as like, you know, maybe we shouldn't really be popping our heads up to the police or anything official and just keep it sort of, you know, low key, low brow. Yeah. And then there were others of us who were very interested in signing up to be a business, uh, working with the fire marshal, you know. Right. Being legitimate. Yeah, and so near the end of that, especially with having, with the two spaces, we were sitting at close to 6,000 square feet of usable space between 16 artists. It ended up that it just started to work a lot better where, you know, maybe people that were interested in private work, a lot of them ended up being down in the basement because... They'd already worked down there anyways. Right. We started sort of subdividing. So you still have some of those people in the basement? Right? Actually, now they're upstairs in uh, Ray's old space. Yeah. There was, are... Some of those people have just gone. It was the yep. great divide. So yeah. as soon as we made our business and kind of made motions to become more legitimate and you know work on this project that we've been working towards the past four years and everyone knew that it was like an aspiration of... Right. Yeah, right. that was like the the final goal of the founding members is to like make that happen. So once that kind of happened, um, there was a lot of heartbreak and a lot of people like didn't like the way that we were going and they thought we were like trying to take more power from the collective and blah, blah, blah. So and like you went through a difficult time. Yeah, yeah. there was yeah. there was, was a, a couple of months out. of yeah. just really gritty, so it got, hard talk. It got pretty serious. Yeah, yeah, so it ended up though that there were several options that were offered to everyone that wasn't a, like because it pretty much split right in half. Like half the people were like, "I love what's happening here," and half the people were like, "I hate your guts." 
So <laughs> it, it, it kind of worked out to right. yeah. everybody's so benefit eventually. We found that we were aligning on two core different issues where one group really wanted individual studio space to just work as private artists in their own space. The other group really wanted a community shop that was open to the public. And those things do not mix. It's like no. water and oil. Right. They just will never go together. So that's when the split happened of, okay, we understand our core differences. We already have a physical separation of an upstairs and a downstairs. Community print shop will be upstairs, and the private studio space will be downstairs. And the Dinderbeck Collective separated. Half went downstairs, no longer calling themselves that. And the Dinderbeck, the company, which is what we are now, Stayed that's upstairs. That's the three of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're the okay. three active the three owners. Actually, there were three. Yep, yep, but I mean, on top of that, in the space still, like uh, Trevor, who was one of the original mm-hmm. five people too, he still runs a screen print company out of this space. So okay. he actually rents from Dinderbeck and kind of, he was one of the ones that was like, hey, you, you handle the business side of it. I've got my own endeavors. Okay, but he wanted a place to work in. Yeah, and he worked so hard on his art that that was one of the people that really benefited, I feel like. From... Yeah, absolutely. I think at, towards the end, we were just trying to give more freedom to the people who wanted to just do something like that because mm-hmm. it got to a point where we were having, like, not only weekly meetings, like there was always a constant email stream, and if oh, you yeah. weren't, if you weren't replying to emails or Facebook posts or Dropboxes or crap like that, then you were ostracized and you like were left passive aggressive notes, or sometimes your stuff would disappear. Or okay, so it was so just, it was just to, you guys yeah, to roommates in the extreme. But so you're still seeing some of these same people. Oh, we see oh, them yeah. all the time. Like, it's been a year since that sort of yeah. separation. So it sounds like things are. Oh, we're still really great mean. friends, but we don't have to work with them anymore. So it's, right, it's so they're happy. Better. It's so amazing. Rent, is it part of the same company that they're paying you guys no. rent? Or no. No. They have their own no. lease or whatever. They yep. can run it the yep, way they, have they their want. Own lease. We run it the way we want. Okay, and so it's just the cool, you yep. know, kind of like they're the neighbors now instead of being exactly. Yeah. Okay. And we it went all different directions. Some people, you know, left completely and went into other endeavors. Well, it sounds like it, it's. It, it gets dicey when you're trying to like give a vision for something. Collaboration can be really risky business, even yeah. if it's yeah. art. Absolutely. Well, and then when you're starting to mix business into it too. Well, because you guys are friends and and yeah. you're you work together, and then it gets to the point where you're like our lives are tangled up oh, together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, at you're one point, and business, and we're living together. Okay. Yeah, no. At one point, Anthony and I were living with each other. We worked a forty-hour week other than this job. And then we had the studio with each other. Yeah. So there was, we slept across the hall from each other. That was our biggest alone time, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like you you wake up, you go to work together, you leave work, you go to the studio together. Oh, so your job you leave, was together. Yeah. 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 We oh, both yeah, worked at the same together. gallery. Oh, yeah. goodness. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then that, so, I mean, that was one specific example, but right. you and Brandon had a very had the similar same situation, yeah. too. Yeah. And so, Corey was living with us. Oh, yeah. For like two years of that. Who was an, so who this was, was all like a big tangle here. Yeah, right? yeah. it was. Yeah. And I then think you had different part of, members who were like, who were dating, you know. Right. And, and that just got like filthy. Yeah. <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> but what we are really getting at was like... It, 
it just came down to with 16 people especially you know you had a couple of people maybe trickle in trickle out at different times and the people who had been here for a good long haul and wanted to be here for a longer haul were really interested in like how can we make this permanent because it's been really fun to you know not really be be very fluid and like be able to think on our feet but we need structure eventually right. we've been out of college for a couple of years now we, we gotta make adult decisions right and you and it's fun too to actually see a goal realized I mean, right. it's really awesome hey i've never been happier than the two moments where i was doing smoke alarms and the fire marshal was happy with them and doing taxes last year and not having any issues from the h&r block guy those are like awesome. two of my premier moments of like, <laughs> yes! Kyle's highlight reel. oh yeah <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh, Kyle. I know it's the little things. I suppose it's absolutely true. I've never been happier than when the fire marshal left here and was like, "You have an occupancy," and I was like, "Oh my God, we're doing it for real." Yeah. Or when the paperwork came back from the state of Michigan that said Dinnerbeck LLC on it and that we were approved for business. So just so people can get a sense of what can they do here at Dinnerbeck, what is possible if they come to Open Studio. What do they have access to? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So in our print shop, we have Vandercook 325G, which has a printing area of, like, 24 by 26. It prints relief and letterpress. Its main function is letterpress. Uh, It's considered a proof press, but you can do production printing on it. It has an automatic inking fountain oh, wow. system and we've pulled quite a few prints on that thing About that monster 200 an hour in this space are you guys doing taking jobs from people like are you trying to if someone wants to hire you guys to print yeah absolutely things, yeah yep. is that are you looking to expand that so people want their wedding yep. invitation we've got examples and a lot of what we like to do especially because of the whole interdisciplinary part right. is we like to be sometimes part of the design. problem solving okay. and the design aspect And so what we've got on our website right now is basically like a shortened questionnaire to fill out before we meet with you in person so that we can actually, you know, generate ideas, maybe give you a price range, stuff like that. But we've been slowly getting more and more accustomed to that side, but that's definitely not always what we do, you know. Mm -hmm. It's it's a lot of fun, though. Yeah. So do you want this to be more the focus of people coming in here and learning how to print or established artists who are using the space and then doing some of these print runs on the side, not have that goes. Yeah. Just have a mix of both. We're really interested in providing artists with facilities. Okay. But we're also interested in creating work as artists. I would say it's it's kind of 50-50. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You guys I mean, that's that's one of the issues sometimes that you see when you go down the professor route is you don't have as much time to right. be an active artist, and sometimes that can inhibit what you can do as far as teaching or staying right. up on contemporary mediums. Right. And so that's always been, I mean, this is our studio, but we want it to be everyone's studio just for that sort of mixture of communication, I guess. I guess to get back to your original yeah, question. Yeah, what, yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, yeah, yeah. And I, I let you guys right off the of yeah. that one. I'm like, hey, let's go. No. Yeah. No, so, no. Do you, you can go and say, tell about the next press okay. if you want. Well, so we've got not only like the Vandercook, but uh, we've got a smaller relief press that's a little bit more simpler made. Mm-hmm. It's 
really considered a proof press, but it does do really nice relief style printing. Uh, our Bendinis are etching press, and it's got a bed size of what around like thirty twenty seven by sixty. Oh, that's big yeah. though. It's, yeah, I mean that's pretty big. It's not. It's it's great for especially this size of a shop. Um, yeah. But we've been working a lot more on getting the back end stuff. So not only do we have the press here now, but We've got a hot plate so you can do grounds. We've got a limited amount of acid so you could actually etch your plates here. Some okay. of the other stuff that, right. you know, so, preparation-wise, mm-hmm. too. So people don't have to do that somewhere else and then yeah. come here. Because the thing is, this is totally cost-prohibitive for individuals coming out of art school to have all this stuff. They don't mm-hmm. have the space. They don't have, usually, the money unless they're born rich or something. Like, yeah. Yeah. You just don't have the money to go buy this stuff and... You know, you're competing with antique dealers for like type and all this kind of stuff because people yeah, are scrapyards basically. Half oh, it's going to scrap sometimes. Oh, well, that's what a lot. Of, I mean, we saved the Chandler and Price. The our big clamshell one was uh, the Craigslist ad was somebody's got to pick it up in a week or we're taking it to the scrapyard. Yeah. Oh uh, my. And it's not even worth much. It's cast yeah, iron. Right, they so probably right. would have got. 500 bucks for it. Yeah, and did you guys get it for free? Just yeah, to yeah we had to, yeah. you know, go all the way down to Cleveland, come all the way back up here with this. So right. there was still cost, but right. the machine itself. The lift gate, yeah. 16 foot U haul. Yeah. yeah, I think we, yeah, that, so it, there's a cost. There's a human oh, cost. Yeah, there right? is still. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it still ended up costing us like a couple hundred dollars in gas and everything else. Well, time and. Yeah. yeah. Both of our large presses, I always think of as costing us about $1,000. By the end of it, mm-hmm. to Without drive down stuff, there right. and pick it up, and the gas, and and the cost of renting it, both of them were free as long as we took them out. But then, like, they they cost us about a thousand dollars each to get up. Not to mention the the man time, like yeah. the, and you the labor. To, you probably were they workable right away or no? No, uh, no. neither one. Yeah. Oh wow! We yeah. had the Chandler and Price for three years before we got it operational. Yeah, oh, wow. before we printed off of it. And we that's had to for a, a year. That's a long time to wait, too. Did you guys have to uh, figure out what to do with it, or did you already know what well, you need to do? It, it was partially so intimidating that neither of us, because it's fully automated, and you plug it in, and it just you flip a switch, and it runs, and then you just feed it paper, and it wow. eats it, and prints come out. Yeah. So, One for you, for you. Yeah, yeah right. it's fantastic. There were a lot of electrical issues, which we were we were apprehensive about. <laughs> it's, and it can be dangerous. yeah, at the time, I had a a really good electrician friend, and he came by, and he's like, "This motor is really old, but it's still like in good condition. Like all the copper bushings, like looked fine." Thirteen. Yeah, oh my yeah, it's an old motor. Oh wow, that's still working. Original, working original wow. motor. Yep. Wow. So it probably wastes so much power. No, actually, I've talked about it before. It really doesn't. Really? Because it's, it's built to move that sort of torque. It's the big difference. It also had a paper feeder on it, um, which the, a lot of the hoses were cracked out, and um, so it didn't have, like, a suction. Its, its suction wasn't working, and we could never get it to register correctly, so we ended up taking that off completely. So that was a whole endeavor. It was really dirty. So it was just like one thing after another after another. So you do it step by step. Totally stripped it yeah. down to its it's a like original yeah. manufactured it took parts. Like Three hundred pounds off of it probably. Yeah. Oh wow. And and then uh, you know then we had to get rollers for it because the rollers were were shot. They were all gummy, so we had to buy brand new rollers for it. 
And then there are some parts that were missing or just like some simple things like wooden feed trays and stuff like that that we had to, that we made. That was easy stuff. Then in the end, it was just intimidation. You know, you have this, this machine that if you get your hand caught in it and you have to stick your hand into it oh goodness. Um, to, to put the paper in and take the paper out, that if, if you don't do it fast enough, it's going to eat your hand. It's going to smash your hand in between two pieces of steel. So there was one day that one of the key holding members was apparently sick of us not using it, and she was just like, you need to man up. You need you need to run that thing. Are you gonna do it or what? So, <laughs> so we ran it, poking and prodding <laughs> enough times. Yeah, and uh, the bear enough, the bear will run the press. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's that it's press incredible. Is so much fun to play with. And you guys and have never run. gotten your your hand. No, no, no you would know it. Yeah, you would know it. You, that was a very oh, yeah. common letter press thing, just oh, like wow. you would see in the wood shops back but in the day too. Somebody, you would see somebody. Yep, you'd see somebody with a little nub gone. Or, oh goodness! Yeah, wow. there were clam traps basically. So is that open to the public? That no. one? That one is not. Okay, I was gonna say. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna, no. yeah. We don't but, have enough insurance. To yeah. Cover that. <laughs> so it's like you have to do it at your own risk. You know, yeah. Kind of we use it as as our production production press. press. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's only for Dinderbuck. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's like 200 and half an hour or something like I guess to run down the rest of the line, we do have a lot of screen print material to okay. um, both carousels for printing fabric, which isn't always our favorite. And we're kind of more built out for uh, flat stock poster printing stylizations. But we just recently rebuilt a screen exposure room. So now we can do, uh, we've got a DIY exposure um Exposure unit. Yeah, we can just bring the design here and mm-hmm. then you guys can either put it on a screen and Anthony yesterday just developed a photo, photo polymer, polymer plate, plate. which oh, cool. is basically a digital letterpress. Yeah. Wow. So So we've been trying to work not only in past regions of letterpress where it's like handset type and we right. have a limited amount of that, but we have a good even, amount of handset oh, type. Yeah, but it weighs and, and it's really, it's really pounds. tedious, and um, you know you can only do so much with handset it's, it's type. It's hard to do. So. Yeah, opposed to being able to bring a file in and just saying, "I want this thing that I made on Illustrator, or Photoshop," and now all of a sudden it's on a plate, and now all of a sudden it's on a piece of paper, and it looks like it's. So you guys can actually make plates here? We yeah. just, started just started to get that. into it, but that was what one kind of our equipment goal. do you need to do a plate though? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean for a photopolymer plate. You need an exposure unit, and you need a washout, and luckily and we have both. And the plates that I come. I see, okay, so it's... So it's a rubbery sort of material. That's sort okay, of but you guys can make this here? Yep. Yeah. I you made just, that here last night. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's so that's really cool. kind of what we're aiming towards, to yeah. potentially get so people a little somebody, bit more interested right. in... Right, and it's, I can see if someone comes in and they have some kind of... Um, like stationery or invitation or... Mm-hmm. Wedding mm-hmm. Uh, or, or like birthday a, card. Yeah, some kind of invitation where you guys don't want to sit there and... I mean, because the cost is going to go up if it's right. going to take you guys forever. Significant. Yeah. yeah. When, when you have type that's like that big, you oh know, gosh, and you're yeah. setting it by hand and you have to get Teasers. out. And then a typo. Like, yeah. It moves backwards. And yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you messed up where the, the D and the B go. Because mm-hmm. they look. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Yeah, because I know a lot of people will send this out and yes. get it done. Uh-huh. But how long does it take for you guys to do something like that? Um, That took me. Half an hour? Yeah, about a half hour to make that plate. Wow. 
Yeah. That's cool. Well, and we were, I'm kind of excited about it because now this is a way that we can talk to other artists, like say illustrators, oh, graphic yeah. designers, and get them interested in something that's more tactile in nature. Right, because they can design something, you guys can make the plate, and then mm-hmm. they can either print here or take the plate somewhere else. Yeah, and, we yeah. can pretty much show them how to even make the plate here. I think it's going to be fun for me to tell people that this isn't just... You know, for artists to continue after college, just to be able to have access to presses. You guys are actually pushing to see what can you do with what's available, you know, the techniques and technology that's available now to keep yeah. pushing and keep learning post, well, yeah. you know, graduation. We're also offering classes starting in December. Okay. Yeah. So, so what types of things really are you going to be? We'll do a class that's all how to do handset type okay. um, in December. For like holiday card uh, yeah, for holi- it'll be a holiday card class in the summer. Steve is going to teach a flat stock screen printing class. Screen printing one for yeah. beginners, so little to no experience. And how much of the class is going to be? Is it different depending on the class? It is, but it, it's around $150. And how long is the class? Two to three days. But spread out between... Weekly two to three sessions. Weeks. Okay, so you're not so like locked like in here for three days. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> it's yeah. You walk in, we like close the door. And they're weekend three to four hour sessions, three week periods. Are you guys using the space to print yourself during the day, or do you have outside jobs that you're doing? Yeah. We're we all nine to fivers here. Yeah. No, 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 other wish. places outside. Yeah. Other places. Still. Okay, That's so the part is, where is we that got the more goal private. to have this be? Oh, I would, I would love, love to wake up in the morning and come to Denver. Every morning. Yeah. I know that I follow, you know, especially what's going on in Chicago, looking at, you know, community print shop and, and just seeing that, wow, this is really cool that people can, can do that. And I think there's enough people in West Michigan that are getting interested in printmaking because mm-hmm. you, I mean, you're over at Grand Valley now. They have a print program. Mm-hmm. Kendall has their print program, um, their, you know, printmaking. Oh, and it man. seems like it's picking up. It, it seems to me like people are really interested in this right now. I know yeah. it goes in waves, but yeah. why do you think that is? What I mean, what is it about this that is making it so I think it's the community aspect. Like you I mean, like when we first started, we we each couldn't own a press in a place in which like a house that we rented. So we had to like everyone get together to rent a space to have a press right. that we could all use. So it's. I think people are just attracted to the idea of like camaraderie and not being not not having to pull all the weight yourself. Like having, you know, someone to help you out when you fall down or whatever. Right. Well, and, and learn I think, from and everything else. I think there's a simplicity in the mechanics of a lot of print presses, even some of our complicated ones. At the end of the day, you can still sort of understand what's going on, and it's very right. physical and tactile. It's sort of that pushback from how increasingly digital our world is right. to have something that's very physical, and especially with letterpress or relief, you can actually feel the impression on the paper. Right. That's something that you just don't accomplish in everyday life, or if you do accomplish it digitally, good luck actually understanding the mechanics to why that occurred that way. Right. You know, and so I think that's probably one of the resurgences for printmaking at least. And what are your students saying when you teach adjunct? What's bringing them into the classroom? I think it's a combination of what Kyle was saying along with its connect to other mediums. (laughs) So if you're a painter, (coughs) then you can still... 
fall in love completely with like monotypes, for example. If you're a graphic designer, of course, you can fall in love with letterpress. Mm -hmm. If you're like a drawer and illustrator, lithography is incredible for you. So all these processes can start to intertwine the different mediums. And even with sculpture and the ability to make multiples and then take those multiples as modular forms to then create something in three dimensions, it starts to open up a whole realm of possibilities. How many key holders do you have here? We have, how many? Two? Five. Yeah, three. Now, are you looking for more people or would you rather not? That's kind of, we're looking for a couple of others. We're accepting applications. And you have to be a professional artist, I'm assuming. Well, we've got, we don't quite have it on our website yet, but we've got the drafts in our hands and they'll be going out when we change the hours for November. So I assume it'll all kind of happen in collaboration with this. There's a couple large things that happen November 1st. One, we launch our classes. It'll be the first time that we ever offer classes. Okay. And then we'll also soon after be launching the classes for 2015. Okay. Um, But we're still discussing. We're still discussing the exact classes that we want. We also are going to start accepting applications for key holding members November 1st. And we're going to reduce our hours, our open studio hours, to only three days a week in preparation for the classes and community events. Okay. And do you guys know what those three days, what those hours are going to be? Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, 6 o'clock till 10 o'clock. The next goal, you want to see this be bustling where people are saying, hey, can you expand your hours for Open Studio? That's kind of what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to whittle down the Open Studio hours a little bit. We're going to try to make some changes to have more of a kind of like a community access space where we can have open critiques and discussions um, that will take place like over there. We're going to get rid of all that paint and stuff and have that wall be pinboard as well. Mm -hmm. So you can like sit there and have a discussion about the work or talk about whatever. So would those be like members like would just know a certain night of the month or something would be... Or we would just post... Yeah, that would actually be open to the public. Whoever wants Mm -hmm. to come in and talk. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because I mean that was one of our big things when we were talking about an idea like that is how interesting would it be to get critiqued by somebody who came through Grand Valley or somebody who didn't go through any official collegiate style fine arts <laughs> like, getting I critiqued. I teaching a workshop with Starphone at the KDL no. library. But if you, told, I'm if you told, I'm serious. If you told, I know what you yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, if you told that, that to a group of artists, for your carving. <laughs> yeah. you would at least get some sort of feedback. No, I think that's cool. I mean, I would love to go through a critique of my work with you. I think yeah. that would be. I'm not so sure what, what no, you're thinking. No, I think it would, it would well, be my work very is fun. Normally, has something to do with Hulk Hogan or another professional wrestler from the 1980s. Oh my word! And really intense patterning. So okay, I, I, I like pattern. I quilt. I quilt too. Yeah, exactly. But you Did, quilt too, don't you? So I do. I do so. Industrial sewing machines. I saw that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying not to stare because that's not why I'm here. No, no, that's still that's part of it. Is that part of the deal? Yeah. Okay, that that was part of like the overflow of your um, framing department here. That's the whole thing. Pretty much everything in here, besides the chandelier price, in our office are available for you to use. There could be, just so you guys know, um, the people that read my column are not like art students that you've seen come through your door, and like the typical, you know, these are going to be. 
you might have like quilters wanting to print on fabric and make a quilt out of it, which I think would be awesome. Yeah, that would be so great. So I think that um, you'll Definitely. see kind of a mix <clears throat> that's, of some other. That's yeah. great. Honestly, that's one of the areas that like we we know where we're strong at when it comes to uh, interacting with the community. It's mm-hmm. getting the word out to right. these other groups. Okay, so I know we ended kind of abruptly there, and that's really my fault because I didn't wind this down to a neat little ending. I struggle quite a bit to stay on task when I'm in a print shop because I kind of want to print. Uh, it's kind of what I want to do when I'm in a print shop. And uh, there were a lot of distractions. There was the industrial sewing machine and cool murals on the wall and a lot of type. When the the guys went out for a smoke break, I took all kinds of photos of type and I told them, I'm like, hey guys, yeah, don't mind me. I don't smoke. I'm just going to load up my camera bag with all kinds of type. (laughs) I did not do that, of course, but there are a lot of really fun things at Dinderbeck. So I encourage those of you who are local to go visit. It's at 323 Straight Street in Grand Rapids and visit dinderbeck.com for more information, especially about workshops and classes that are going to be starting up in December, which is really cool. I think it'd be fun to take screen printing. I'm, I'm looking forward to an opportunity to uh, do that. So I'll have to see if, if the classes fit into my schedule. So I hope this episode inspires you to maybe move ahead with that kind of dream plan that maybe you've been kicking around with some friends for a while. Sometimes you have to wait to get to do the thing that you think, man, wouldn't it be cool if we could just do this? If you're thinking about taking a workshop and learning screen printing, printmaking, letterpress, keep an eye on their website, dinderbuck.com, and look for an opportunity to show them some love back since they've gone to great lengths to uh, make this thing happen here in West Michigan. And hopefully there'll be a day when the three of these men can be you know, working full-time on their art and running Dinderbeck. That would be pretty cool. If that's what they want, that would be cool to see that happen. In my column that I wrote that came out November 16th, 2014 edition of the Grand Rapids Press, and it's also on MLive.com, I mentioned also that they're looking to get kind of a group of, of people together who just want to kind of print together and then we do some printing swaps at Dinderbeck. So I might pop up in in something like that if my schedule allows because I think that would be really fun because I print by myself in my basement, sometimes with my kids, but it's kind of nice to join the land of the living above ground and (laughs) print with other people from time to time. So that would be kind of cool. I want to take a moment now to thank my Patreon sponsors for continuing to help make this show happen. Thank you so much. And I also want to thank the awesome people over at ACS Home and Work for sponsoring the show and just, again, keeping it going. All you printmakers out there, if you're looking for a place to get some cool fabrics to print on to make some tea towels, I get mine from ACS Home and Work. And I bought them. This is not any kind of um, weird arrangement where I'm getting a bunch of free stuff and telling you guys, buy their stuff. I found ACS when I was kind of scouting around looking for a a place to to get tea towels that I could print on and found out that they were actually based in Coopersville, which is really awesome because it's here in West Michigan, not far from my house. I've gotten to know the people that run it. They're really nice people and they have great customer service. And now we have a partnership where I buy my tea towels from them and they support this show and it's been really fun. And speaking of fun, I am going to be doing a little giveaway here. I got my hands on a few copies of the premiere issue of DIY Holiday. It's a multi-craft magazine, so there are projects that run from, you know, the knitting and 
sewing and some embroidery. So there's a lot in here to keep most crafters busy for a little bit. So what I'm going to do, so you guys can check it out and kind of see it for yourself, I am going to give away two copies to Patreon sponsors. So if you're a Patreon sponsor, you do not have to do anything. You're already entered. And I will just pick names out of a hat. Uh, the rest of the folks can go on to craftsanity.com and leave a comment after episode 147. And we'll do a little random drawing. I'll pick a winner in probably about a week or so. Yeah, and I'll get those shipped out to you folks. So you can check out this new publication. I think that's kind of what I'm going to do as we um, do giveaways. If you're a Patreon sponsor, you don't have to do anything. You're just automatically entered in a drawing. If I have some extra things, I'll give those out to other general listeners as well. I'm not trying to be rude or exclusive, but I feel like the people who are keeping the show going should have some kind of advantage. Again, I appreciate your, um, your support and I appreciate all you listeners. To find out some more information about today's show, head over to craftsanity.com and I'll have links to Dinderbeck, my sponsor, ACS Home and Work, and also um, you can learn how you can become a Patreon sponsor if you'd like. There are also links to Craft Sanity magazines. I have nine back issues or a couple holiday editions that might be fun for the holiday crafting. And those are instant downloads on the left-hand side of the page. $6 each, not too shabby. You get a lot of bang for your buck over there. Uh, I also have the printed copies in my Etsy shop if you want to check those out. And if you have a story that you would like to share or something that you just think I should investigate a little bit or question you're wrestling with, um, by all means, you can send me an email. It's jennifer at craftsanity.com. I love to hear from you all. I'm always looking for stories. In fact, I'm going to be recording an interview on Monday with somebody who kind of just reached out to me and I had a story to share. And so that's going to be fun. I'm always open to that. So feel free to get in touch. That's jennifer at craftsanity.com. Well, I have to go write a craft column. I have a a big stack of books I'm going to be reviewing, which should be fun because I love any excuse I can get to page through some craft books for work is really great. So I'm going to go do that. I'll be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsanity.etsy.com. Mm-hmm.